0: This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2016. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. I'll share the word quickly this morning. Uh, come with me, please, to the book of Genesis, chapter 41. Genesis 41, Uh, reading from verse 50. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came. Whom Ashenath, the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On, bore to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God has made me to forget all my toil and all my father's house. The name of the second he called Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Names were especially important in Bible days. Not so much now, but especially then. You called your children what you called your children, usually reflected some aspiration you had for your child. Or perhaps you named your child after some uh, famous prophet or person uh, in that day. Or you did it to honor someone. Now, only a few of you know that I've got a middle name because I never ever use it. So I'm a passport officially and it's Mac Mullen, M small c, M-U-L-L-A-N. And for the first 66 years of my life, I had no idea in the world why that was my middle name because it's a surname. And talking last year to my eldest sister, it came up in conversation. And I says, why in the world did mum and dad give me a middle name, Mac Mullen? Oh, she says, you don't know? I says, no, I never knew. Never bothered to ask, never thought about it. Well, she says, it's very simple. She says, that was your mother's sister's husband, David MacMullen, who died during the Second World War. He was killed as a soldier. So in honour of him, Mom decided, and Dad to call you David McMullen Gowdy. So it meant something to them. It was important. That was only three years after the war, I was born in 48. So it meant something. It was fresh to them. It was a, a memorial uh, to the man who died. Now, whenever you think of these two names that Joseph chose for his two sons, his firstborn and his second son. It says a lot about what he was thinking at the time. It gives you kind of a clue what he was going through. Manasseh means forgetting or forgetfulness. For God has made me to forget all my toil and all my father's house. Now we usually associate Forgetfulness with the onset of senility, don't we? And some of us are getting a wee bit worried uh, because we're forgetting a lot of things, aren't we? You ever walk up the street and somebody's walking down the street and you see their face and you think, I know that person. What's their name? What's their name? What's their name? And you're wrecking your brains and you're in overdrive trying to think. And the more you try to think, the worse it gets. You cannot, for the life of you, think of that name. And then you stop and you exchange pleasantries and you go on. And then 200 yards up the road, ah, that's their name. It came into my head at last. That happens to us all. There's nothing wrong with that. We just, that's a little bit. But there is a forgetfulness that is bad, isn't there? There's senility, and there's even worse than that uh, when it gets to that stage. But this forgetfulness was something positive. It was an ability to deliberately, intentionally choose to forget. It wasn't that Joseph could literally forget all that he had gone through, he couldn't forget all that his brothers had done to him, he couldn't forget the lies of his master's wife, who tried to seduce him with ending up with him in prison. He couldn't forget the fact that the the king's cupbearer, whom he told his dream to, uh, was sent back to Pharaoh. He couldn't forget that that butler forgot to mention him. To Pharaoh, and he had to stay in jail another further two years. He could not literally forget those things, but what he did do, he chose to deliberately, intentionally forget the hurt and the disappointment that those things brought into his life. He made a choice to deliberately forget, in that sense, those things that caused him hurt and pain. That's what he forgot. And that's what he refused to mull over and to keep hitting the rewind button. Now, all of us, and I have got it too, has the tendency to keep hitting the rewind button, don't we? That button's nearly broken, isn't it? We keep pressing it and pressing it and pressing it. You go to bed at night and over and over and over your mind, there it comes. But Joseph deliberately chose to forget it, not to allow that to continue in his life, the hurt, the pain, the disappointment, whatever it was, just to forget that. God give us a manasseh, a spirit of forgetfulness. God bring a manasseh into our lives that will take away the pain and the hurt and the disappointments of the past. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now, it's not that Paul could literally forget all the stuff that happened to him. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, we, we, we read the list of stuff that he, that he listed in Scripture. He remembered every lash he got, he numbered them. He remembered how many. He remembered every detail of stuff that happened to him. But he learned to deal with it and not only the hurt of it and the pain of it and the disappointment of it to control his life. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth onto those things which are before. To the place he got in his life where in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, he says, but this light affliction which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding weight of eternal glory. He got to the point where he could say, but none of these things move me. And that's the place where we would like to be, that none of it moves us. So Manasseh means forgetting, forgetfulness. Ephraim means Fruitfulness. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Abundance in adversity, supply in the midst of shortage, promotion in spite of problems. That was Joseph's testimony. He became fruitful in the land of his affliction. Now, every one of us has a land of affliction, an arena of testing an hour of trial. None of us can escape that. It happens. It could be through sickness. It could be through separation. It could be through whatever. All of us get that. But God can still cause us to be fruitful in the land of our affliction. Every Daniel has a lion's den. Every Hebrew boy has a fiery furnace. Every David has a giant. Every... Paul has a shipwreck, every Jeremiah a pit, every Joshua an Ai, every Elijah a juniper tree. Everybody has some time, some period of affliction in their life. But God can still make you, in spite of it, he can still make you fruitful in the land of your affliction. Gary said a few moments ago, children of Israel, they prospered in Egypt. They prospered. Remember when Joseph brought them into Egypt, and they lived in the land of Goshen, and how they were blessed there, and how they began to multiply there. And they got to the stage where a pharaoh who knew not Joseph rose up, and he felt threatened because there were so many of them, and they were so blessed, and then he started to persecute them and wanted to kill every newborn son, and eventually they had to leave. But in the land of their affliction, even even when they were being whipped and they had to make bricks without straw, and all of that, God still blessed them. They were still fruitful in the land of their affliction. Mm -hmm. The apostle Paul prospered even in prison. Some of his best writings were written in prison. The prison epistles are brilliant. They're great. And we read one, we studied there some weeks ago, Uh, uh, Philippians. What joy is in Philippians from a man who was in prison. He was fruitful in the land of his affliction. One of the greatest Christian classics ever written, of course, (laughs) is written by John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress, written as a prisoner. And God used that classic, that allegory that Christians has enjoyed now for years and years. That's a classic. God gave John Revelation, when he was an exile in the penal colony of Patmos, that's where he was fruitful in the land of his affliction. And 2,000 years, we've got it at the end of our Bible. And we read it, and it's exciting because it tells us what's going to happen in the very last days before the Lord returns. And so our land of affliction may not be like one of those, but each of us who has lived long enough, and some of us maybe who hasn't lived very long, has had a time of affliction. But God can still make us to be fruitful in the very place of our affliction. For God said he, to cause me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Manasseh and Ephraim were brothers. Forgetfulness and fruitfulness go together. People who are bitter about their past, who are resentful, who are grudging, are never, ever going to be fruitful. It just will not ever happen. They live so much in the past, their present is soured. They'd never practice Philippians 3:13, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Somehow they've got to get beyond that. And with God's help, they can get beyond it. Manasseh and Ephraim are brothers. All of those we mentioned: Daniel, Jeremiah, David. Paul, John, all of them could have become very bitter and resentful. All of them could have become cynical, but instead they had a Manasseh experience that caused them to be forgetful and they had an Ephraim experience that caused them to be fruitful. Forgetfulness and fruitfulness. I don't know where you are today, I don't know what's happened altogether in your past, or I know that some of you right now are going through in all kinds of things that's happened. It's been a difficult period. It's been a testing. It's been a trying time. And yet here you are today. You're in the house of God. And to one degree or other, you're being fruitful in spite of it. And you're dealing with it. Thank God. And God can help you and give you the grace and give you the strength to do it. Helen Keller was a great humanitarian. she had become a political activist and uh, was the friend of many presidents. She was born uh, normally, perfect health, but at the age of 19 months, We don't know exactly why, whether it was rubella or measles, but she suddenly became blind and deaf. And because of her profound deafness, and at that age especially, uh, she was not dumb, but she was almost incomprehensible. And so it was a triple whammy that hit her. And she grew up with that. And when it came to school, she was a very... Difficult child, angry, better, hard to deal with. And one teacher came to that school and took her aside and began to teach her and began to write on her hand and how to write and how to count and so forth. And that one teacher became very important to Helen Keller. And caused her the bitterness and the anger to leave her. She was a a Manasseh, the forgetfulness of all of that. But also to her, an Ephraim to make her fruitful in the land of her affliction. And she became a writer. And her life story ended up translated into 50 different languages. And when she was 75 years old, she went on a five-month, 40,000-mile tour of different nations and was healed as a hero and as an icon for deaf people and blind people and was an avid writer in Braille and all the rest of it. And uh, in spite of all that she went through, she was very, very fruitful in her life. And here's just a little thing that she wrote She's written many many things and poems and stories and reports and everything, but she says they took away What should have been my eyes? But I remembered Milton's paradise. John Milton was blind when he wrote That wonderful story they took away what should have been my ears But Beethoven came and wiped away my tears When Beethoven wrote and conducted his ninth sympathy he couldn't hear a thing he couldn't hear a clap of thunder even, but he could stand before an artist needed it. They took away what should have been my tongue, but I had talked with God when I was young. He would not let them take away my soul. Possessing that, I still possess the whole. I read this the other day. When a man is determined what can stop him, Cripple him, and you have a Sir Walter Scott. Put him in a prison cell, and you have a John Bunyan. Bury him in the snows of Valley Forge, and you have a George Washington. Have him born in abject poverty, and you have a Lincoln. Load him with bitter racial prejudice, and you have a Disraeli. Afflict him with asthma until as a boy he lies choking in his father's arms, and you have a Theodore Roosevelt." Make him a second fiddle in an obscure South American orchestra, and you have a Toscanini. Robert Louis Stevenson, he was plagued with bad health all of his life. In fact, he says for 14 years, he never had one day's good health in a stretch of 14 years. But in spite of that, he wrote two outstanding classics, Treasure Island and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And many, many movies has been made about that. He was fruitful in the land of his affliction. affliction. I wonder is there something in your past that needs to be forgotten in the sense that I'm saying this morning. Something that keeps robbing you of your peace, of your contentment, of your victory, of your happiness. Something that robs you of good fruit in your life. Ask the Lord to help you to forget the pain of it, the disappointment, the anger, the sadness, the loss, the brokenness. Forgetfulness can bring you fruitfulness. It can make a difference. I have just a short message today, because that's all my voice has let me do today. I've got to preach tonight. But have you got the point? Have you heard what I said today? Some of you right now are in the land of your affliction. You're going through that stuff that's happened. Let me tell you, God can make you fruitful in spite of it. The enemy want to wipe you out. The enemy would want you to become barren and unfruitful and bitter and cynical and angry. But God can make you fruitful. God can bless you in spite of it. And you can and you will come through it with God's help. But while you're in it, you can still be fruitful. We're going to pray. Lord, you know every heart here today. Lord, you know every person's heart better than they know their own heart. You know what they're going through, what they're feeling, what they're facing, the difficulties, Lord, that are oppressing them, whether it's illness or whatever it may be, they're in affliction. And Lord, I'm going to ask you today, To bring a Manasseh into their life and an Ephraim. To give them the ability to forget and to become fruitful. And then, Lord, when they come out of this and they come through this, they can look back and give you thanks for your strength and for your grace and for your help. And Lord, that they would come out of it stronger and they went into it. And Lord, that they would be better person, stronger person, more determined person than ever before. Lord, would you touch every life today? Would you minister in the deepest part of their hearts? Lord, sometimes we have pains and disappointments that just won't seem to go away. Lord, they seem to wake us in the wee small hours and trouble us. Lord, if that is the case today, I pray that you will break in and break through and bring comfort and strength and peace and a spirit of forgetfulness. And Lord, that they would rise up in new strength and fresh determination and become fruitful in Jesus' name. Lord, we bless you and we give you thanks for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that you know every single thing about us. We thank you for your great love and mercy that covers us. We thank you for your plans for us that are good and not evil so that we can have a great hope and future. So we bless you today, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content, available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal, or visit our website for more information www.mpc.org.uk